Hi, and welcome to the School Health Educators Podcast, where we discuss health education and how to best teach health ed in the K-12 setting. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Lori Reichel, the New York State Health Educator who truly believes in what we do. Today's episode is focusing on the aspects or dimensions of wellness, and to help explain what these aspects are about is Mr. Andy Milne. Dun, da, da, da. I met Andy in person when we were both presenting at state conference. It was about 10 years ago. And we cross each other's paths every time we go to the same conference, which I totally support people if they're able to go to a conference. Sometimes the state ones are more more of an option for people. Sometimes the national, depending upon where the national ones are being held. But it's so neat to run into Andy and we wave or we we catch up real quickly. Um, But I really respect the things that he's done in the field of health education for sure. So before I go on and on and on yabbering about how we meet each other. Andy, you want to say hi? Yeah, I'm going to say hi. And um, this is probably the longest we've had a chance to speak with each other for so long. And the reason why we wave and say hi is because I'm so in awe of you. There's people oh. on the circuit, there's people on the circuit, and I clam up and I, I hide from them. And you're one of them. First time, first time I met you, I watched you present. And sometimes you watch presented, you're like, okay, I could steal one or two of those things. And I watched you and I was like, oh, shoot, I need to up my game. I'm nowhere near as good as I am. I, everything you had was a complete gem. So now when I see you, yes, we're super busy because everybody wants a piece of our time. But also it's like, oh my God, I don't know what to say because you probably know the answers to everything anyway. No. So thank <laughs> and thank you for the podcast. What a fantastic medium. Uh, the, the people that you've had on and the conversations you've had and the, the guests have been so diverse and so knowledgeable that... I'm such a fan and I want to watch this grow. This is why I kind of like lured you into an episode here to talk about these dimensions of wellness, because I love when I hear, like when I heard your TED talk and when I even look at your blog, that you note like yourself, your knowledge base of all the different aspects of wellness, and as well as other people, like when they write for your blog and all. But before we jump to the dimensions, can you tell us some of your background? Yeah, sure. Um, like many uh, educators, I stumbled into the profession. Uh, I was an athlete in high school and uh, sports was where I got the most recognition. So in order to stay on and play sports in college, uh, I just stayed in education. Uh, and only once I got into education, I realized, huh, maybe this is where I should be. And um, for the first 12 years of my teaching life, I was in London, England. One thing led to another and bumped into a girl, an American girl in a bar with perfect teeth. And now I find myself here in America. (laughs) I'm starting my 28th year of education, uh, my 11th year here on the northwest suburbs of Chicago, just by Lake Michigan in Winnetka, not too far from Northwestern University. Uh, And I teach predominantly health to sophomore high school students. And I also have a little bit of phys ed. We call it kinetic wellness here, but I have a little bit of kinetic wellness on my schedule as well, because as much as I love working with my sophomores and seeing them grow, I love the conversations I can have with my juniors and seniors uh, and their, you know, and their aspirations for going on to college. So I'm, I'm, I'm living the American dream right now. Wonderful wife, two lovely kids who are about to start listening to Puberty Prof because we're having <laughs> conversations with our 11-year-old right now. 
So, uh, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, along the way, I, I'm thankful that I picked up a few accolades and I get to travel the world, the, the country uh, presenting to conferences. Uh, and so thankful to be here today. Thank you. And you're also on the board, right, for Shape America? Yeah, I thought I'd uh, put my hat into the ring. Um, the, with the pandemic, uh, I focused on the things that were really important, right? My health, my family, and mm -hmm. perhaps the students in front of me. And now with the pandemic easing up in many parts of the country, um, I thought it was time to give back to the profession. And uh, in the short period I've been on the board of directors, I'm loving it because I get to surround myself with people who are passionate for what's right in terms of health and, and physical education. I have to say, even with that short intro of yourself, the energy, like the belief of what you do in health education comes across. And I love it because I know sometimes we can run across people who are kind of burnt out and they're like, oh, yeah, this is what I do. But your passion for the field is so apparent and it's catchy. I love it. I love it so much. And also your TED Talk. Uh, what's the title of your TED Talk? I'm forgetting off the top of my head. It's something uh, like... Some Something like, uh, this is not your parents' health class. And it's an yes. acknowledgement that, you know, I have one of the first conversations I have with students or one of the first activities when we move into our sex ed unit is speak to your parents about what sex ed was like for them. You know, and it was like, and the parents, bless them, they're so, they're so kind of naive. They're like, oh, you know, well, we didn't really talk about it. We separated boys in one room, girls, and another one parent said, well, AIDS hadn't been invented then. You know, it's like, wow, I bless you for, for thinking that. Um, and then, so I wanted parents to know that we are so much more than stereotypically what you experience or what you see when we are portrayed in movies. You know, don't you dare have sex or you'll get pregnant and die. <laughs> um, and we're not. And we obviously, we are now about equipping students with the skills that they need to not only navigate the trials and tribulations of of high school life but college and beyond the skills will always stay permanent but the drug of choice will change right so right now the kids are like hmm should i suck on that vape that looks like a highlighting pen thank you very much for inventing that but when they go to college those those uh the temptations are going to be different but the skill of being confident in your ability to say no and refuse will be permanent absolutely Absolutely. In which health class, like the whole purpose of this episode is about those dimensions of wellness. Health class is more than that physical aspect. And what do you, okay, you teach at the high school level. So when you talk about the dimensions or the aspects, tomato, tomato to me about those words, uh, what, what are the ones that you refer to? Well, initially, when I started teaching uh, health, I latched onto the health triangle, and I love the I love the concept of the health triangle. It's very easy to portray, uh, you know, mental, emotional, social, and physical health. Uh, but my students have already had a semester of health as freshmen; they're on a separate campus. So when they come to us as sophomores, I think they're capable of more. They're all we're also a pretty academic very pressured community as well you know our, our act score is through the roof and over 99 of my kids go on to the four-year college of their dreams you know so so i think i do i would do my students a, a, a disservice if i didn't open their eyes to a more holistic understanding of health so when i saw the good work of holly and sarah in uh, you know their essentials health book, uh, and I'm, I'd like to think you'd have the the link to that in the show notes. And they talked about the ten dimensions of wellness. I was like, right, I'm totally jumping on that because I need my students to know it is so much more than. And right, everybody jumps to physical, 
the slightly more tuned in kids are also, or especially now we're talking more about the social emotional side of health as well. But I want my students to, to understand that, you know, social health, sexual health, uh, spiritual health is as valid if you want to make sure that you've got that more rounded, more complete aspect of, of wellness and you know health in your life. Okay, so can we go over those aspects in which I'm going to share that I use the acronym SMEEPS of. I teach that to the college students. I used to teach in the middle school SMEEPS all the time. Um, elementary, I do go, when I used to teach it, I would go more basic and do kind of like the triangle, but really the square. For SMEEPS, I don't know, did you ever hear me use SMEEPS, SMEEPS of? I have, no, but I love it. <laughs> it sounds like I, something from Sesame Street. Yeah. Because <laughs> when I say SMEEPS, it helps everybody remember. Like my college students are like, okay, S, S, S. So, and I don't, I don't care what order, you know, the S's go in. But if we just focus, if we use that right now, but I know that there's another two that um, you mentioned, both Holly and Sarah mentioned in their book. Um, but if we go to one of the S's, maybe social. Mm-hmm. How do you define social to your kids? Let's kind of go back a little bit then. So I, I, I portray 10 dimensions of wellness uh, because I can, because of the community that I'm in and the school that I'm at and the support that I've got from my administration. So they're very comfortable with me having conversations about sexual wellness. I am aware of, of peers who teach in other states where there are certain dimensions of wellness that maybe are off the table due to some pushback from the community. Okay. And it is yeah. what it is. Um, you know, and, and more power to those who are continuing to fight the good fight in some of those states. Um, now you talked about a, a triangle or a square. I'll push out a circle, um, you know, with, with the, the 10 dimensions in it. Um, in terms of definitions, I'll give them the definitions from Holly and Sarah's book. So okay. there's like the textbook definition. But with everything that I, I, I push out to my students, I want to know, put it in your own words. So if I am talking about social wellness, we'll give them the definition of what it means to work on your social wellness, being open to um, you know, friends from different backgrounds, different diversities, et cetera, um, and, and understanding the power of having a nice social network around you to support you in your, in your development. But I'll throw three questions out there, and, and I do this with all of the dimensions. First of all, I'll say, well, what do you do or what could a peer do to show that they are well in that dimension of wellness. So, you know, what could you do uh, to show me that you're well in, in social wellness? Um, you know, I reach out to my friends regularly. I have a couple of friends that I, you know, I share open, honest conversations with. They're my go-to people. Great. That's the first layer. Secondly, tell me what the school does to help you develop your social wellness. So now they're thinking, wait, there's more to it than just what I'm doing. Well, we have clubs and societies we can form. Um, we spend a lot of time on the social emotional side of things as well. And we do a lot of name games and team building. So I think the school's doing a lot. Okay, that's good. Third question, and this is where I'm kind of asking them to go deeper, more critical thinking, maybe develop that advocacy voice. What more could the school do to help you develop your social wellness? Ooh. Maybe they could, you know, have an anti-bullying initiative. Uh, maybe they could provide uh, a safe space for students who are feeling lonely and they want to make a connection. You know, so then you've got the, and I, I'm like, hey, give me all your out-of-the-box suggestions. Right now we've got a great set of advocacy topics 
if you really want to run with this. At which right. point students are like, wait, my voice is being heard. It's being recognized. My suggestions are being validated. Let's do something with this. Yeah. And then maybe they do. Maybe they get together with their peers and they go to the advisor chair or the administration and say, hey, I think you could do a lot more to help us with our social wellness. Excellent. So if I go just to even the basics, like I say to students, it's the relationships you have in which you referred to relationships with your friends, your peers, the people at school, uh, family members. Um, so it's all, it's like, what do we do? And I know that there's assessments that we can look at, like how do we even communicate with certain people in our lives and all that social wellness. Do you ever add in animals with social wellness? You might have to tell me more because you've got great ideas. Okay, I'll, because I know that um, when I put it out there about social wellness and we talk about like older people and about how, you know, their partner might pass on or their friends, you know, as you age. And I'm like, anybody ever work in a nursing home? Did you see pets around? And they'd be like, yeah, they used to be like a cat or a dog. And it's like, because animals can create a social network too, or purpose, which goes into another area of health. Because I like my students to understand that, you know, dogs sometimes save people's lives. You know, there's a story out there about a, um, uh, and this is from a student of mine who the grandparent moved in with them. And one day the dog was barking and barking and barking and they couldn't understand why and they were getting annoyed. So finally they went to go see the dog and the dog was barking because the grandparent passed out, fell down, whatever it was, and they had to call 911. And I'm like, this is why I consider pets or animals part of my social health, because it does, they do help us in a lot of ways. I don't know, does that make sense to you, Andy? Yeah, it does. And I love the fact that you immediately jumped to the our aged community as well, because mm -hmm. there's so much research out there that says when we consider the factors that feed into longevity, it's not necessarily nutrition and exercise, it's the feeling of connectedness within our community. And my parents who are in the like mid to late 70s. You would never guess they were that old because of the way they behave and the support structure they have around them. And they're leaders within the community leading, uh, it's called the University of the Third Age. And all of these older members of the community come back and teach their peers things Lovely. from their past. And because, and, and then during the pandemic, they then were reaching out to those people who were isolated because the worry is as soon as that social support drops off, you're at risk of curtailing your life. So yeah, yep. thank you for, for bringing that up. Yeah, and because that's part of the five, the zones, the blue zones, the blue zones, all that research, that social aspect. That's neat. Okay, okay, so I'm going to move on to another one. Uh, you and I could talk and talk and talk for hours, if not days. Um, okay, if we go to M, I use the word M for mental, which I know some people use I for intellectual. Mm-hmm. So how I usually explain mental or intellectual is that's your thinking, that's your decision-making, that's your coping skills. That's that aspect. Um, how about you? How do you usually explain that? And because, because my school is particularly academic and the students see themselves as intellectual, in our classroom, typically we'll move down the, what are you doing? Where Are you showing intellectual curiosity? What are you doing yeah. above and beyond to pursue a passion, 
So if you really are interested in another language, you know, what are you doing to, 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 to boost that? Are you reading beyond the assigned reading? Uh, and and for, for some of our students, their intellectual pursuits aren't necessarily represented within the four walls of the school as well. You know, when they start sharing that, you're like, wow, tell me more. You love building model airplanes. I didn't know about that. You know, tell me more about that thing. So I want my students to realize that, yeah, grades are fine. I, you know, we're playing mm-hmm. the playing at, at school we're playing the game of, of school here what are you doing beyond to just show that there's a difference to you and for some of our students you know that that is like how am I making my resume look different from the person sitting opposite me what, what am right. I doing to show that I am a more rounded person than just a set of grades in my GPA you know and the work I do within the community so that's kind of where we go in terms of intellectual uh, and then if you really have a passion and the school here doesn't have an opportunity for you to show that passion, there is someone you can go to in the building and say, hey, I think I want to form a new club. I want I want a new model airplane club. And we are the school that will allow those students to go find a sponsor and make it happen. I love that, in which I had that as one of my assessments, like what when you're they're looking at their mental health, in addition to the decision making and the coping, it's that what else do you do to increase that that intelligence that you have, that it's not just about school stuff. There's others. So what is your passion? I love that you referred to that. Um, what's weird though, and, and I was thinking of this as you were talking, is because of more awareness on mental health, people automatically go to like this mental illness stuff. But mental health is so much more. And I also find that if we go to a, another area of um, health or dimensions of wellness, which is emotional, some people, they're like, well, what's the difference between mental and emotional? Because of hearing so much about mental health needs, because of mental illness. So what is emotional? Does that make sense? Like there's like confusion at times of what these things are and how people define them. And which I look at emotional as those are your feelings. That is what you are feeling and your body's telling you messages, which I really wish we had more mindfulness in schools because our bodies are such a powerful tool to tell us that we don't like something. If our stomach starts aching or our brains or whatever it is. And how I talk about the emotion is it's your your feelings, your feelings like I feel sad, not I feel that, but I feel angry and I'm feeling it here. I'm feeling like weirdness. And then how does that impact your mental health? Like there is that marriage between the two. Yeah, I love that whole approach that your body will tell you what it needs. All right. So if you are feeling a knot in your stomach, well, what is the cause of that? Are you anxious or are you ill? So tune into that and then find out, well, what is my strategy? What's my chosen? um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? What's, what's What's my coping mechanism? What's my healthy mm-hmm. coping mechanism that's going to take me there? Uh, in terms of, I mean, obviously we're tuned into the social emotional side of learning more so than ever before. And we mm-hmm. actually all got trained here on delivering teen mental health first aid. Um, okay. So we take, our, we take our students through um, a big chunk of uh, resources in terms of how can you um, look out for a friend? I think, I think we ask, look, ask, listen, help your friends. So like, look out for your friends, ask the right questions. Are you thinking about harming yourself and listen to what they have to say and then suggest where can they go for help? We don't want our students to feel like the burden is on them to help, you know, to to actually solve their friend's ills. 
It's how can I get you to the person who's been trained in this to help? But you're right. It's, it's important to understand that the feelings are the feelings, right? They're just those little indicators for you to then pay attention to that and tune in. And I think it's Lisa Demore's, but is it Lisa Demore? Um, what's, am I quoting the right author? Um, shoot, I'll, I'll send it to you. Who's all about okay. teen mental health. Uh, and her book is, is is a fantastic resource for teachers and parents of uh, of, of t- uh, yes of teenagers. I I have a question from a grad student, and she directed it to you. And so, and I love the question because when I teach, I feel statements. This comes up all of the time, and it's Andy. How do you encourage students to look into feelings versus thoughts? Like I feel sad versus I feel like that's not the right answer. Or I don't think that's the right answer. I don't know if you have that when students are like, well, I feel that blah, blah, blah. And they don't associate a feeling word. Yeah. Uh, I have but, to admit that, that, that question stumping me. Um, I know okay. that I know that my nine-year-old will come to me and he'll say, I feel angry. Mm-hmm. And then we'll say, well, are you sure anger is the right word? Are you, is it really anger or is there frustration or are you, you know, are you unhappy or do you just feel like your friend just ignored you? You know, we, we try and go back in, in, in almost like a, a linear fashion to really find out what's the root of what it is that you're feeling right now. Um, but I know you have a great podcast episode on, on I statements. I think with uh, <laughs> Irene. With Jen Mead. Yeah, with Jen Mead. With Jen yeah, Mead. Jen Mead. She's a superstar. Love Jen Mead. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, actually the, cause I know sometimes even in college, I'll say, well, well, how do you feel about this? And it'll, the feeling word doesn't appear. So, and I can, you know, we can focus on another episode on that, or they can listen to the Jen Mead with the puberty prof podcast. But I think it's an interesting question because sometimes children are taught to think so much and not to feel. That's good. And that's where I try to tell people like there's emotional help, which is your feelings. And then the mental health, the coping, as well as the learning and the pushing yourself, that kind of thing. So due, due to time, I'm going to jump on to another aspect. And we got a thumbs up for that conversation from the student. Excellent. We got a thumbs up, Mr. Milne. Okay. So if you don't mind, I'm going to follow the SMEEPs of, for me, um, of mm-hmm. E, another E of environmental. Do you cover environmental health? Yeah, we do talk about environmental health. Um, and I'll say to students, what are you currently doing? And and often they'll just say, well, I I use a a recyclable water bottle. You know, I, I carry a water bottle so and, and I like to recycle, um, you know, garbage. And I want students to think more about that. I mean, you know, if you really want to dive into environmental racism, right, and really take a look at how the environment really impacts the health of the community now, that might be a conversation that's above and beyond the scope of a sophomore health class, but there's no reason why you can't weave that in and just sow that seed so that the one or two students might want to run with it. And maybe they are in environmental club that meets on a Friday and they go back and they talk about, you know, how is it that these high schools in communities of color also happen to be underneath electric cables and they're just situated on you know an old dump or the community just got cut in half with a highway and they happen to be on the wrong side of you know so that really really is where i'd love the conversation to go but the the, the benefit of having the 10 dimensions of wellness is you can just like throw those seeds 
And maybe some of my students work on two or three of those, right? Maybe there's one student who's like, I'm all in on the emotional side of, of wellness. And that's all, I'm, all I need to invest in right now because that's what my body needs. And maybe some students are like, you know what? I think I'm set, but I've never really considered multicultural wellness. Maybe I should speak to uh, friends from different backgrounds. Maybe I should go check out that food truck that just came into town because I've never tried South African barbecue before. Maybe when I'm going through my Spotify playlist, uh, a student today said uh, he loves Chinese R&B. Now I'm an R&B fan, but I've never listened to Chinese R&B. But what a great way for me to now make a connection with a kid from a different culture through our shared love of music. So that's why I love about this is it just kind of just allows you to make those pathways. And like you talked about, everything is kind of interconnected, but it's just every time I, every time I look at an element of my dimension of wellness, or I'm intentional about doing a thing, it's an investment in myself. All right. So if I go into a 10 minute stretch, now my 52 year old body loves a 10, 10 minute stretch. When I was in high school, stretching wasn't on my, on my radar but I feel like that's a 10-minute investment in my wellness. Yeah. Jumping back to the environmental part, I have to do a shout-out to Aaron Coleman. Um, he presented with me at Shape America in Seattle last year. We talked about ethics. And one of the things that he pointed out regarding the environment of where he is, he's part administrator, teacher, if I'm understanding his roles. He's a superstar, too. Uh, he talks about in his school, the kids don't have access like to healthy foods in their environment. And it's a whole analyzing of influences. So that's where like another example of environment comes up. And then for me, when with like the, the students that I can challenge to think outside the box, I can talk about, let's say, substance use. And like if you go to Alaska and the environment of months without sunshine and how does that affect someone's emotional health and then their decision making with their mental health and potentially substance use. So like the environment and then for the college level, they bring up the fact that if they want in our local area, if they want a contraception like condoms, they're locked behind a plastic case in some of the stores and they have to ring a bell or they have to get a cashier. So I try to point out like look at the influences around you about the environment alone and there's like it's so like you and then you jump to the multicultural thing which is another environmental thing but another dimension of wellness and which do you want to jump there because that's one of the dimensions that sarah and holly talk about correct yeah that's on there that's on there um uh, on their list of 10 uh well i'm, I'm going to go back to what you were saying because you've got okay. these individuals you're talking about individuals from different parts of the country but eventually, everybody's paths are going to kind of cross, right, when they go off to college. So when my students get out of their North Shore bubble, they are going to meet people who had a completely different experience growing up, whether that's conversations about consent, were they even allowed to have sex ed in high school, are contraception, you know, are, are contraceptives available to them? So it's, it's, it's letting your students know that the experience that you've got right now is different from people in other communities. I was going to give a shout out to a book that's on my my list of things to read. Uh, it's called A Terrible Thing to Waste, Environmental Racism and Its Assault on the American Mind by Harriet Washington. So I definitely need to check that one out um, because I need to know more about that. But yeah, multiculturally, I teach in a predominantly white school. We are significantly white. Um, and we're perhaps the, the, the next largest cohort of, of individuals is uh, kids from a Korean background. 
So um, what we have is a a number of affinity groups in the school where students can come together and have conversations about their shared experience. So we might only have one African-American student in class. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's that's hard to have those conversations about racism when you're surrounded by 29 uh, white kids. But we have the affinity groups in the building to allow those students to come together talk about what their experience is like walking the halls of our school because although we all identify as trevians that's our that's our mascot our experience is very different i yeah. know that our lgbtq kids will report higher levels of stress and higher levels of harmful behaviors within a relationship yeah. than perhaps their hetero peers right so we we and we know that from our youth risk behavior survey data so i'll lean on yrbs data that that tells my students that your experience is unique. It's very different from those around you. The more conversations we have, the more stories we hear, the greater appreciation we have for those around us, the greater empathy that we d- we uh, develop, and the more we can work together to form solutions that allow us to become a happier, healthier community. Thanks for, for talking about that multidimensional aspect, because that's something that a lot of school districts are now touching upon overall or especially in the health classes for sure okay so if i go to another aspect or dimension physical to me i don't know if we need to spend a lot of time on this one because the physical to me is the body it's the overall you know are you you know the aerobic the strength going through a menstrual cycle that kind of thing is the physical what the body is actually doing do you want to add anything on to that I think, and this kind of speaks more to my physical education uh, kind of ethos right now is is an acknowledgement that the way we choose to move, where we move and how we move will give us a different end result. All right. So if I am feeling sad and down, should I go and uh, move outside? Should I move with a friend? Should I move to music? Should I move in synchrony with somebody else? Should I move to challenge myself so I feel better for achieving a personal goal? So there's different ways to move. And again, if I listen to my body, is my body telling me I need to stretch? Is my body telling me I need some cardio? Is my body telling me I need to, I just need some sunlight and I need to be out there in, in the in the in the wilds? So yeah, um, find new ways to move, find new people with which to move because the movement that my high school kids are doing right now might not be the movement choices they make as they grow older. Um, so I just want them to appreciate that there's so much more out there in terms of movement and its benefits. And I love how you put in that environmental dimension with it, in which there's the book Wild. I'm forgetting the author, but the author talks about how running in nature actually changes things up, which is really neat. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's another area or dimension of health that you want to raise here? I think one I would throw out there is in that 10, um, uh, Holly and Sarah talk about occupational wellness. Okay. And I'm teaching sophomores right now. Okay, so I've got like 15, 16-year-olds so they're coming to that time now where they're like, hmm, I'm thinking about getting some kind of job. All right. So I can have that conversation. Does anybody in the classroom, do you have a job? Do you know anybody that's hiring? But what I can also do is then reach out to other teachers in the building who are in charge of careers, uh, in charge of uh, reaching out to the community to find out whether the park district is looking for, for, for hiring. Um, uh, we have a job fair. So when there's a job fair coming up, I make sure that all of my health students know that there's a job fair, maybe even cut class 20 minutes early and go down and meet these individuals. My favorite story is 
Um, I had talked about occupational wellness. Two weeks later, I found out that uh, we had an Excel spreadsheet of people that were hiring in the community. So I emailed all of my students and I said, check it out. Bobby comes back to me and Bobby says, Mr. Milne, I don't need this. I just got a job at Starbucks. And I want to let you know that in the interview, I talked about occupational wellness. So I love the fact that you brought it um, So yeah, and, and, that, and that just shows how not every student is attending to every element of wellness at this time. Some of my students have been sexually active and some of my students aren't interested in being sexually active, but still talking about it and putting it out there. Some students will say, well, I'm not doing anything about my sexual wellness. Hmm. Have you had a regular checkup with a doctor? Well, yeah, I did. Um, did you get your HPV vaccine? Yeah, I did. These are conversations, right? Do, uh, we talk about self-examination. Yeah, I do that in the shower. Well, you didn't even know this, but you're actually making strides in the right direction to appreciate your own sexual wellness. Mm-hmm. So then the giggles stop and kids feel a little bit more proud about the fact that, oh, yeah, maybe I'm doing more for my health than I ever realized before. Exactly. That sexual health aspect doesn't mean you're engaging in sexual behaviors. It means that you have these sexual parts that are being taken care of. And maybe you want to advocate, maybe you aren't sexually active and you're not interested mm-hmm. in a relationship or, or sex at all. Okay. But you might still want to advocate for teen sexual health. All right. And maybe uh, a great activity is, is to share with students some of the uh, educators that I follow on social media and some of the advocacy groups on social media so that students can then either follow them or in turn share some of the TikTok influencers or the, you know, the Instagram people that they follow. Because mm-hmm. we don't swim in the same social media fields. And if I share where I'm getting my influences from, in turn, I want my students to share where they get their health methods from as well. Absolutely. Okay, so with occupational, often when people talk about occupational dimensions, they also refer to financial dimensions. And do you teach that in to the high schoolers too? Because I know like our students, depending upon where you teach, even if you're in the in one school, you might have a variety of SES. And so you do teach, I see your head nodding. What do you talk about regarding financial? Wellness. Well, in terms of, and again, it comes back to those questions. What What are you doing or what would a peer do to show me that they are working on their financial wellness? And obviously that feeds into some of the business classes that we've got here, mm. uh, you know, some of the consumer ed classes that we've got here. So that's what the school is doing to help my students be more financially literate. Uh, mm-hmm. Some students have never thought about it. Some students have a bank account. Some don't. Some students are currently investing in the stock market and some <laughs> have never thought about it, right? That's the kind of cohort I'm <laughs> teaching right now. But there's this acknowledgement that are you spending more than you're earning? Have you considered saving? You know, mm-hmm. and w- what is there to be said about actually saving and earning enough money to buy that thing as opposed to getting someone else, your mom, to pay for it and then pay them back over time? You know, there's, there's, there's more empowerment in making that sacrifice to put some money aside. Um, yeah. But you're right. And, and again, it speaks to the fact that 15 year olds are starting to think about the bigger picture. And if they can't wrap their head around what it means to be financially literate now, they certainly need to do so before they hit college or there's going to be a couple of bumps in the pathway ahead. I do have to say every college I've ever worked at, because I adjuncted at two on Long Island and then I've been in the Midwest and now I'm, I'm back in New York. 
I see workshops for college students for financial wellness, and I love it because I know as soon as they start going to college, they're getting these these um, offers for credit cards, and that does not mean that you want to have a lot of stuff put on there. So they need to have this financial literacy. So that's excellent. Okay, I'm going to go to one last dimension, if you don't mind, and it is my favorite. And some people would say it's more controversial. And that's the spiritual aspect. And for me, how I usually, like I'll ask my students, what do you think spiritual is? And the word of religion comes up right away. And it's like, it can be, it can be. And I love when young people question, you know, what they were taught, what they're participating in, because that makes that spiritual part stronger in my eyes. Yet, for a lot of people, if they're not, they don't want to phrase it as religion, it goes to your values and beliefs. Is that how you describe it? Like, are you allowed yeah. to even talk about it in your school district? Yeah, I hundred, I a hundred percent agree with everything that you just said, and and I and I love it when because obviously you know working in a public high school, there might not be the opportunity for those students who for whom faith is a strong part of their identity. They might not necessarily be able to express it. As often as they'd like, we do have mm-hmm. outlets here at school, obviously. Um, but I, I like it when they when they put that in their writing and they write quite passionately about what it means to be a member of a particular faith and serve that particular community. So I love that there are students out there, and and I, I myself am not particularly religious, but I'll talk about perhaps there's a there's a, an understanding that there's a, there's a greater purpose in life. Uh, mm-hmm. And then somehow we are all connected and we might lean down towards more of a mindfulness slash gratitude, slash thankfulness, slash, thank, you know, slash appreciation of, which might feed into conversations about just, again, meditation and, re- uh, and, and yoga and appreciation of other cultures that somehow we can use to inspire ourselves to, to be more connected as a community. Um, so, yeah, I, I, don't, I try not to steer away from those conversations. Because I want my kids, you know, who are strong believers to feel like there is still an opportunity for them to feel validated and respected in the classroom. You reminded me of a project I did in the ninth and 10th grade when I was teaching on Long Island. And when we went over the dimensions of health, they one of their assignments just to ensure they understand that there's so many dimensions, they had to demonstrate what they do for a variety of areas. It didn't have to be all of them, but I think it was like, um, it might've been six out of the SMEPs of that I teach the social, mental, emotional, environmental, physical, spiritual, occupational, financial. And what I loved was when they referred to spiritual, because there were some people that brought out some of their religious stuff. Yet then when there was a student that would say to me, well, I'm not spiritual. I'm like, yes, you are. That's your values. And then they had to delve deeper and go, this is what I value. And I value, and they take out like a picture of a grandparent. Like I value this. And I believe in, you know, people not being mean or whatever it is. I'm like, that's what we're talking about here. I have to speak for the both of us here. I believe both of us believe that we want our young people to have a career that they're going to love as much as we love ours. Because your passion comes through. You start talking and it's out there and your students see that they're so lucky to have you, Andy. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I I, I want them to have the A in life that they deserve. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and that's me quoting a student from way back in the day who said, in health class, it's not about getting an A in class. It's about getting an A in life. And it yeah. is. I just want you to to make the, the best choices you can, the most informed choices you can, and learn from your previous choices as well. And if you can, also then spread that message to your family, your friends, and your community, then even better. I just want them to be healthy. That's why I'm passionate because I love, I love seeing my students flourish. I know they're all going to go on and crush life. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy yeah. to be a part of that. Well, do you have any last words you want to share before we end today's recording? I think in terms of the dimensions of wellness, I would, you know, I blog and my blog is slowchathealth.com. And I'm going to put if a, you, I'll put like the link in the description for this episode. Definitely. Yeah, thank you. And, and if it just in your search engine, you put slowchathealth dimensions of wellness, I've got a really, really good um, blog post in there. It's got all of my activities and assignments. Um, and there's also a game on there that you can download or you can print all these cards and you can chop them up uh, and, to, and to sort of quickly summarize what that is. Um, I took each dimension of wellness. I created six cards. Uh, two of the cards exhibited strong behaviors in that dimension. Two were okay. And two were like, oh my goodness, how is this person still surviving in life? And then we randomized them. We shuffle them all up. And then each group in turn builds an imaginary student. And then I asked them to identify where are they strong? Where are they going to crush life? Where are they? Where can they improve? Where could they go in the, in the, in the school and the local community to work on those areas of wellness? And that's an opportunity for students to practice an understanding of dimensions of wellness and maybe judge an imaginary student before they can then look at their friends and be like, hmm. Looks like Tommy's really struggling in spiritual wellness right here. I got a recommendation for them. So check that out. There's also a really nice uh, idea uh, that Sarah Gidja Harmon uh, uses in her classroom. Lisa Smith does it as well with the dimensions of wellness. And you get paintbrushes and you get kids to kind of paint uh, where they think they fall on a spectrum of uh, each dimension of wellness. And there's something to be said about going old school, paper and paint, and being mindful and thoughtful and trying to stay within the lines. And it's a lovely little activity that students can do uh, that students can do in the classroom. Uh, Lisa, in turn, even cuts them out and displays them around the classroom uh, to keep that learning visible at all times. Um, but all I'm going to say in terms of message is thank you to anybody that's out there in the classroom um, doing what's right for the students of America So, oh, and across the globe. So thank you. And thanks for referring to the peers in the field, because something that I have on the initial episode for this newer podcast is that people that come on and talk, I request they give credit to other people because we work as a village. We work as a village. And I was told when I first got into the field, you know, big borrow steal, but I don't want to steal and not give credit. It's not like stealing. It's like, it's let's give each other credit, follow the slow chat. You know, I think it's awesome when you, when you even put like on, uh, you do more, uh, tweeting than I do, but I see the tweets that come up about, you know, when you have something new up there. So, and I love that you do that. You have so many people on there. Um, and I am going to, also share, and I don't know if I can give it to you to put on the slow chat on that, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe we can do a link on the um, the new website that's going to be part of this podcast. It's it's an activity that I do to introduce wellness, and it's usually an introductory activity for a lot of health classes if they don't they've never met me and stuff. But I give descriptions of five fictional quote unquote fictional young people, and 
and they first have to decide rank who is the healthiest to the least healthiest. And then they get into groups and we have to see if they agree in groups and the groups have to give like the answer on, on the front um, board or the sideboard poster paper, whatever. And then we discuss why did the majority of you pick Bobby for, for being the healthiest and how come Lori's the least healthiest. And it's from there that we actually extract that there's different dimensions of wellness. So somehow uh, I have to find it in a file online, but if you want to put that on the slow chat and we definitely can put it on the, uh, our website for this podcast, that'd be awesome sauce. Absolutely. And I can include links to the podcast and the episodes, et cetera. Yeah. Thank you. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here, Andy. And I know you're on a break right now at school. I appreciate your time. And I will make sure again that we have a link for you for slow chat, however you want yourself described. So thank you. And thank you. And next time I see you in person, I won't be embarrassed anymore. I'll come up and say hi. (laughs) Hug, hug, or high five or whatever it is. Okay. And to our audience, thank you so much for listening in. Please remember these three things. First, to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Second, to check out the new website. It's called the schoolhealtheducators.com and .org. So it's the schoolhealtheducators.com website. And remember that you make a difference. You matter. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Stay well. Have a great day, folks.